welcome to the Edition Wars podcast, where we take a deep dive into the mechanics and playstyles of all of the editions of our favorite game. We look at what worked, what didn't, what led to better play tests, as well as what got left in the cutting room floor, and we talk about it all. In this episode, we're going to discuss the rules glossary section of Unearthed Arcana 2022 Expert Classes. This is the fourth episode in our series on this one document, but it's 37 pages and you get what you get. With me tonight, as always, is my co-host, Sam Dillon. How are you tonight, Sam? I am well. How are you? Uh, I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, You know, this this has been an interesting journey of a document all by itself, I feel, because it's even more interreferential than the previous one as mm-hmm. our understanding of the playtest starts to take some shape, but also some of the shape that we thought it was taking is uh, maybe not what we thought it was because of changes they're making along the way. Yeah. I mean, I'm well, let's, let's start this because this is the, the part of the playtest that I am really interested in because as I said, at the end of the last episode, uh, the players, the PC stuff, the class stuff is really tough for me to evaluate until I've played it. For sure. And so reading it is, is very tough. However, the rules glossary, the rules glossary is easier to sort of parse and look at changes and try to figure out, okay, where are they going with this wording? Why are they being specific here and less so over there? Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, let's get to it. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Also, if you DM more than you play, mm-hmm. you know, this is the these are the rules that you interface with the most. Right, which I do. Right. I'm, a, I'm a DM 90% of the time and a player right. 5 maybe 10%. Right. And my situation used to be kind of 80-20 in favor of DMing and now is is drifted into a more 50-50 situation. Yeah. Um which I like because uh, it provides perspective that I needed. Yeah, Um, no, that's good. So we're going to fire this off with uh, looking at ability checks. Um, There's some, some, I guess you'd say reversion-ish from the character options uh, packet uh, in that the... uh, Auto fail on a natural one, auto success on a natural twenty, is gone. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, the way they express in text the sort of style guide around uh, ability checks has changed, and much like uh, capitalizing, like they're speaking in German or writing mm-hmm. in German, uh, I don't like this because this is not how people talk. Um, it says strength check athletics or wisdom check perception. Mm-hmm. That is just breaking the flow of the thing. And you've got, if you're reading out to the players, you've got to rearrange the words to fit the way language works. Um, whether you're saying perception check with wisdom or wisdom check with perception, wisdom perception, like it's, I, I would, I would like it if we were looking at more natural language is what I'm saying. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I the funny thing is, I often just use the ability because so many of the other games I play, mm-hmm. which are more old school, use just the abilities, right? So I'm used to just being like, oh, a strength check. Oh, okay, acrobatics if you want, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Right. So it doesn't really phase me that much, but I get where you're coming from. And the thing for me is that what what this is saying to me is they're trying to be more rules texty than natural language, right? Right. And and you know, I've been sort of not a fan of that as you mm-hmm. have throughout this uh series of of episodes yeah whereas for me like it doesn't phase me at all and i like it a lot because yeah i'm used to reading very textbook style rules texty type of writing so it it really i'm like it's just sort of part and parcel with what i do as a career to take that stuff and turn it into more natural language and present it and talk about it and so it doesn't it, it it literally like I just don't even think about it. So, you know, in fact, I you know, what I do is I when I read something and it's a little tiny bit confusing or it's not clear, that's when I pitch a fit. Right. Like I did on the first episode when I said, don't give me don't tell me it's an example and then give me the real rule. Like, you know, give me yeah. the rule, then give sure. me the example. Sure. Sure. So, you um, know, I think it's more of a preference thing. But the 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 question is. How does how does that affect the players? And for me, like if you want to say that something is an ability check, um, then it makes sense to say what which ability it's tagging first. So I have no problem with uh, the ability being first. I have no problem with that in the world. I've gotten used to that since 2014. Yeah. No, what what's moved is check is now between that word and the parentheses. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, yeah, I, I I get it. And I, but you know, here's the thing for me is like, why go through all this if they're just making these all D20 tests, right? Well, because, because a D20 test is also two other things. No, I know. But, but I guess what I'm saying is it's sort of like the way it's presented in this document is they present it like it's three things, Hmm. but they really want it to be just one thing. Um. I don't know. It is still three things. It's just they have a parent category for talking to all three for yeah. you know, ways you can modify it. Right. And it's easier to say, you know, this affects all ability checks and then you know, or all D20 tests. And so then right. you exactly. know that it's right. I get that. I get that. I understand the reasoning. I just, the it feels clunky to me the way they're presenting it. And sure. so the clunkiness for me com- seems to be coming from a different place than the clunkiness that you're feeling. But I, sure. but I think it's probably both because of the same reason, maybe. Sure. Um, anyway, uh, the, the typical difficult, difficulty class chart is still about what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, describing 30 as nearly impossible is mm, not as true as it was because expertise is so much more common. Um, sure. The problem with making expertise more common is that it's nearly impossible for uh, some classes and not others. Right. Um, that's that feels weird. I, I I'm not really sold on that um, because again, expertise winds up being my class is good at being good at things, mm-hmm. and that's dissatisfying to me. Um, I mean, anytime you're trying to 
talk about difficulty class and you chunk it up into pieces of five, you're going to end up having this problem, right? Because this makes it seem like there's not a continuum of numbers that could be possible targets. Uh, I mean, I, I don't see that as a huge problem because, uh, I mean, 15 is a good default, like the the text says anyway. Um, but um, I guess what I'm saying is if you, if if it was seemed like more of a continuum, you wouldn't have to have nearly impossible as a 30. You could just have it be the end of the linear line, right? It's uh, nearly impossible. Right. And my point is only that getting an additional two to six points on every uh, ability check of a particular type or two particular types or mm -hmm. four particular types or however right. many you wind up with. Uh, <laughs> however many times you take that feat. I mean, that's a that's a real change to the conception of bounded accuracy. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Right. But the thing is, if you so, right. And so this is where the issue comes in, right? That nearly impossible suddenly doesn't exist when you throw that's, bounded accuracy out the window. That, that's what I'm saying. Right. And I'm just saying that it would be a little more palatable to even think about if you actually showed this on a continuum rather than here's an endpoint. It's nearly impossible. He he, not really. Yeah. yeah. Right. I, I hear you. Yeah. Uh, all so, right. So, anyway, yeah. so moving on, um, armor training. We talked about armor training. It's called yep. armor training rather than armor proficiency mm -hmm. because you don't apply a proficiency bonus anywhere right. in it. Right. That, that's it. That's the deal. Right. Uh, and honestly, no in any time that you can remove meanings from words like the word proficiency, if you can remove meaning from it and have it mean only one thing, it's much better and easily understandable. So yep. I'm, I'm totally good with making that yep. not armor proficiency. Yeah. And, and this is still within the span of natural language to me. Like right. armor training means sure. Okay. That, yep. that, that that's still intuitive to read. Yep. Sure. Um no changes to artisans tools from the previous packet, mm -hmm. standardized to 15 gold pieces a piece. Yeah. Bit weird. Whatever. Don't care. Um eh, I mean whatever. I, it yeah. it bothers me more with musical instruments because harpsichords. I've heard of harpsichords people. Mm -hmm. Uh we'll get to that. Um, yeah. yeah. And well, and here's the thing, right? The music the art musical instruments 20 G GP a piece, right? And then like ga gaming supplies are like one gold yep. piece, right? Yep. Yep, so, yep. Anyway. And I don't know about you, Brandis, but I have spent far more than one gold piece on gaming supplies. Um hmm. I've talked with my uh Financial advisor about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you mean a rabbit? <laughs> um, I I really meant uh, an attorney. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe an appraiser. <laughs> I often uh, refer to Carol as Mission Control. So yeah, there you go. That's she good. is a, she is the financial advisor too. So that's why I was where I was uh, going. That's good. Um, that's good. Um, so attacks. Uh, this is the same text as the, the previous mm -hmm. document for all intents and purposes. Um, the attack role uh, is unchanged text. Mm -hmm. except that it specifies this Unearthed Arcana article uses the rules for attack rolls and critical hits found in the 2014 Player's Handbook. Right. That, that is the hard reversion to uh, NPCs can crit, uh, uh, spells can crit, the whole deal. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so uh, arcane spells we already know about. 
So next after that is bark skin. Bark skin got a rewrite. Um, oh, you mean um, temporary hit point skin? Uh, I, I mean uh, druid heroism. You mean temporary hit point skin? Yeah. Yes. Uh, but like bark skin almost never got used before because uh, it was so seldom worth uh, a second level spell slot mm-hmm. to get someone's AC up to 16. Mm-hmm. Because how much is that actually increasing it? Um, so you'd be surprised. I maybe my bard four rogue six only has a fourteen AC. There's your problem. And a fourteen AC is effed up. (laughs) That's it's not good, mate. You got to work on that. I know. Anyway, (laughs) that's Um, a separate issue. But yeah, yeah. Um, I get that. Okay, I see. Here's the thing: is I'm not, I can't argue that it's it wasn't used and it wasn't useful, especially as a second level spell. But don't leave the name. Just just introduce this and say this used to be called Bark Skin, but we're going to name it something else, and it's taking the place of Bark Skin. So the funny story is they are. I think they have a hard time doing that because. Uh, that they see as a uh, backward uh, compatibility issue with NPC stat blocks. They need to retain the spell names mm. as much as possible yeah. for backward compatibility, even if the effect has changed. Even if the school has changed. It, especially if the school has changed. I mean, okay, that's a reason. It It constitutes a reason. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't say it was a good or bad reason. I just said it's a reason. I get yeah, it. Yeah, same. So, so what this does is a, a pool of temporary hit points that refresh at the start of each of the target's turns. It works the same way as heroism without the immunity to frightened. Uh, it is more temporary hit points than heroism uh, by a little. Um, it's spellcasting ability modifier plus proficiency bonus. It's not vast. It's something. Um, I would like to see this goosed up a little more for second level, to be honest. Um, but uh, caching time of bonus action means that you know it's a pretty good way to get some extra survivability, especially if you are either trying to help one of your, your frontliners survive, or if you're about to go shift into a, uh, a wild shape and just need to have some extra survivability running. So that's a thing. I Uh, mean, also, if you are not planning on casting any other concentration spells. Right. 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 It it does. It does presume that for sure. Um, And uh, higher level spell slots give you additional, which is always uh, a really nice force multiplier. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. Uh, Blindsight has my, shown my up only in- uh, just to be clear. My only problem oh, no, with that was that it's just not bark skin. Um, I mean, it's still bark skin to me. I like bark skin is about AC is no more a given to me than bark skin is about the durability of temporary hit points. Um, those kind of both work to me, but if it doesn't work for you, all right, you know, fair. I'm just, you know, like, uh, you know, it's, are we going to start changing the the what all spells do? But we're going to keep the name the same because we can't, 
lose backwards compatibility when i mean this is kind of a conversation for a different episode but like to be honest i'm not sure we're actually really going to retain backwards compatibility like this is not you know i know they keep saying it but if you notice what they say it's in adventures and stories right i think that adventures are going to retain a high level of backward compatibility i think that monster stat blocks are going to retain a a meaningful if not absolute level of backward compatibility uh player facing content it's magic items will be fine most magic items will probably be fine right but Um, so i guess my point is like you can't just change the whole thing but then call it the same i I don't know i just i I have a philosophical issue with this right like um except in so far as like the name on the spell list was only ever a pointer to whatever the spell description was like in terms of there is semantic content there the semantic content has changed but it's still valuable okay fine right but Okay, uh, but okay, so hold on. So let's go back to my my favorite mistake in this packet, which is that the ranger or rogue, one of those, one of their one of their uh their abilities is still named multi-attack, even though it's right. not multi-attack, right? Right, yeah. So you but, know But it was named that before when it also wasn't multi-attack. Not really. Well, so, but multi-attack then means absolutely nothing, right? Not, not when it's a feature name, no. Right. And so that's a problem for me. I, I and agree, so, dude. And I so agree. if, so the same thing though applies to spells, because if a spell is going to have a particular name, but yet the semantic content of what that spell actually does can change just whenever, like that's an issue for me. Like I have a problem um, with that. So, so. The reason I disagree is that like the rules on ability checks are changing, but it's still like when the the text talks about an ability check that still points to something, mm-hmm. right? Right, but it still points uh, to the same thing it used to. It's an ability but, check. It's a d twenty roll that is associated with one of the abilities. So sort of that didn't really change, but but something has changed about it because you gain inspiration on a natural one. Okay, but like, that's an add-on effect, but you didn't change the basis of how that works. Uh, it, it's still it's still pointing to a rules block, mm-hmm. and w- what's in that block of rules is changed, albeit in a small way. Right, and I don't disagree with that, but you know, that's you're just now having a fancy way of describing that any kind of header is just a placeholder name and you can put whatever you want in there. And I understand that concept, but my problem is that doesn't work for me. (laughs) Right. I mean, fair it's, you know, so I get what you're saying. I understand. And, and I, I don't, I agree logically with what you're saying. Yes, I agree, but it just, I just, I don't like it. I don't like it. What I would say is the the tactical usage of Barkskin is still reasonably similar. It's just useful in a wider range of use cases now. Like it is there to help you resist damage because it's a defensive spell. Okay. Mm-hmm. It isn't about AC anymore because that use case 
was only helpful to characters who were uh, quite low AC, right? You probably weren't going to spend this even on someone with 15 AC because the second level slot for uh, one point of AC is probably no one's best move. Um, 14, maybe 13, getting pretty likely. Not a lot of characters run around with 13 AC um, and go to the bard to fix it for them. Sorry, the druid to fix it for them. The, the druid is probably using bark skin before they shift into their, you know, wild shape. Um, based on the the changes to uh, things like the ranger's beast companion and summons and so on, I vaguely suspect that we might see druids with a uh, a sort of artificial stat block rather than pointing to Mastiff or Black Bear mm. or whatever and using that stat block, which I very much welcome. I thought that I, I always disliked that. I thought it was a disaster. Um in in the 2014 mm-hmm. Moon Druid. But that bugged me from day one. Um because I always wanted it to be more like the 4E Druid, which I loved. Um this has been a digression brought to you by <laughs> <laughs> brought to you by our fireball whiskey thank you folks um but uh or brought to you by sam dylan who doesn't like the fact that you have completely changed a spell but yet you're leaving it the same name and this is a spell that's been in the game for a very long time sure but it did something totally different in editions prior right like it, giving you 16 ac is not its grand legacy as an effect. Sure. But I have a problem with that too, right? Like I, I'm just saying this, the, it, it, this is the sort of thing that irritates me because I'm a grumpy old man. <laughs> but I mean, fair enough. I, I can't force you to like it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that it is crucial to me. I just don't see this as a major problem. If I'm honest. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't say it was a major problem. I just said, well, so my issue is if they continue to do this, right? Like, oh, well, sure. This sort of thing bugs the hell out of me. Oh, and I have a much greater issue with the other new spell in the um, the rules glossary. So we'll get yeah. to that. Yeah. So let's let's keep moving on then. <laughs> uh, so, so Blindsight uh, is something we've seen them hand to PCs for not quite, but pretty close to the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, they've not been wild about giving up blindsight because it's really good. Yes, yes, and, it is. and we talked about that when we yep. covered um, the uh, the rogue, right? The rogue, maybe also the ranger. One of those might have been both. the ranger too. Yeah, uh, we're not looking it up right now, um, but like it's it's really stinking good because it uh, lets you effectively see a hidden or invisible creature within your blindsight range. That's boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and something that just totally ignores the hidden condition is a lot. Um, right. But we're going to get into what it means to have hidden as a condition on the one doing the hiding uh, in, in a bit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've always had invisibility as a condition on the one who is invisible that could still be ignored. That's the invisible right. or true sight for you. Right. Like, that's not news. Yeah. Um, yeah. Though I did see someone 
positing that sea invisibility fundamentally didn't work through a literal rules reading. And I think that takes a certain amount of hostile reading just to get there. <laughs> but I digress. Yeah. Um, so, so climb speed, uh, we're seeing climb speed become more common. Uh, mm-hmm. And this also, this text block also uh, notes that the spider climb trait is an add on to climb speed um, that you don't inherently get, but you might have through some other way, which right. allows inverted climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's pretty cool. Um, the kinds of shenanigans you, you can get up to with the climb speed are a lot. Uh, <laughs> and if you need a long form demonstration of why, um, Nintendo released a game called Breath of the Wild, which would like to demonstrate to you through the person of Link at length the game rules. <laughs> so I just want to mention that you know they they spend rules space on climb speed and swim speed and movement here, mm-hmm. and the point of this is that just for those that haven't really reviewed this yet, the point is that normally when you have movement. You can also climb without a climb speed. You can climb, but it acts like difficult terrain. So it takes extra movement and you can swim at any time. You don't have to have a swim speed or a swim skill to actually just be able to swim or tread water. However, it takes longer. It takes more of your movement to do that. But if you have a climb speed, it doesn't take your movement. And if you have a swim speed, it doesn't take your extra movement. And so, and also we're going to find out you can't mix and match different movement types in the same action. Yep. So it matters what kind of speed or movement that you're making. So yep. it's am, suddenly am, a very nitty gritty set of rules. Actually, I'm really pretty skeptical of not letting you mix movement types. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think that fails the action hero test. Right. Um, that I talked about um, back in our second episode, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, we get the types. we get the rules blocking, blocking creature types. No change here, right? Nothing to see. Uh, D twenty tests. Uh, this contains the rules line when a player character rolls a one for a D twenty test. That character g- gains heroic inspiration. Mm-hmm. That's now, shifted from rolling a twenty, and I think mm-hmm. that paying you to feel okay with rolling a one uh, is probably a better move better than choice. Yeah. paying you to feel even better about rolling a twenty. Right. But the rules on crits really make that matter more mm-hmm. in that now we're back to a situation where you're paid extra damage for critting. Right. Um, right. On so, all effects, on all attack rules. Did they, um, did they call it heroic inspiration before? Or is this the first time they're calling it heroic inspiration? Um, in the in other second. packets, I mean. Yeah, I'll tell you I, in a second. Um, okay. This they did not previously call it heroic inspiration. Okay. Yeah, I was they're they're going for the midline between hero point, an action point, and an inspiration point, and and, and carving out a difference from bardic inspiration. Right. Exactly. It's it's a two word name, but yeah. by God, yeah, it's yeah. a different name. Yeah, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so thank thank goodness for that. It is mm-hmm. actually a genuine pain in the butt. So I appreciate right. it. Again, it's that thing where the same word means different things, right? Yeah. Which I call the level problem because, okay, character level, spell yep. level, 
spell uh, casting level. Right. And, and, right. and for sure, for sure, do me a favor when you uh, put up the video of this and just use the order of the stick comic about this. <laughs> right. Exactly. It, it, is yeah. a, it is a legend of the genre. Yeah. You can't beat right. Rich Berlue for that one. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's brilliant and beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so dash um, action, no change. No change. Uh, difficult, difficult terrain is interesting in the. Well, so hold on, let's oh, go sorry. back. The yeah. the reason the dash action matters though is because you're making a a, a move, and oh, sure. it, because of the difference in types of move, the only way to mix movement types is to take a movement action, and then if you take a dash action, it's a bonus move, and you can use a different action, a different move type. Right. Well, and that that move by itself is not an action. You just get a move each round. Right, right, right. But you right. know what I'm saying, though. I, I do. I do. I that's, just want to yeah, yeah. be very clear for our listeners. Right. That's why it's that's why the dash action is important. It's, yeah, uh, that's, it, even that's though fair. it's unchanged, it's because it's a bonus move, and because it's a different move from your initial move action that you may have taken, it can be a different type of movement: climb, swim, or just your walking. So that's a very good point. Yeah. Um, so difficult terrain is uh, unchanged in concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting that they spell out a bunch of different things that cause difficult terrain. I like um, that they did that. I, I think it's I, great that they do it. I, I like it too. I think that probably they need to be prepared to expand this list with a few more items in the final, just mm-hmm. because, uh, this is difficult terrain. It's a lot of different justifications, um, but rubble is honestly a good catch-all for things here. So mm-hmm. it's mostly right, I think. Uh, and, well, and, you know, it's and, fine to have other ones, but that's fine. Right, it, it and specifically the, and says the last sentence. Yeah, DM yeah. can determine other things. Right, yeah. like that's uh, right. But having the list is here to help DMs think right, of right. reasons for difficult terrain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of um, course. Divine spells, no change. That's that's known stuff. Uh, the exhausted, exhausted condition <laughs> is quite a new animal. Um, so it's now a, a, I mean, it's 10 step, but technically it's 11 step because step 11 kills you, right? Um, it's an 11 step condition uh, where each step gives you uh, a minus one penalty to your uh, D20 tests equal to your number of levels. So if you have six levels of exhaustion, you poor bastard, uh, you have minus six to all your D20 tests. And and this is the real kicker that that got my attention to your spell save DCs. Because if you look at the exhaustion rules in 2014, they're all about penalizing your saving throws, your ability checks, and your attack rolls, but casters are kind of fine. Right. So spe- spell casters are pretty much okay. They can go into a fight, um, you know, as long as they're using things that force saving throws. Well, they're addressing that here, and I like that. Um, evenly penalized by exhaustion, regardless of build. That's all to the good. Obviously, it's not great having levels of exhaustion, you know, sitting around, mm-hmm. but it's not a catastrophe either. The way having two levels of exhaustion in the 2014 rules 
is, I guess we're stopping for a long rest or two. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, and the other and, thing is, this is much easier to keep track of and just deal with. I mean, right. the the idea of every level of exhaustion doing something different and those being cumulative is just a heavy load to remember. Like, even though it's not even that much stuff to remember, it's not like you can't remember it, but it's hard to remember different disparate things and which one applies now with my second level of exhaustion or which one applies with my third level of exhaustion. Here, yeah. it's every level is still cumulative and it still gets worse, but it's the same effect, but worse. Yeah. And you also get 10 I, of them before something I, bad happens. I mean, before I think that's you know, a, death. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a really good point. It certainly suggests that we'll see Monsters handing out more levels of exhaustion, mm-hmm. but right. um, anyone who um, read Scrivener's Tale knows that I love a condition track with multiple steps. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the the charm that is placed on you in that adventure is not technically a condition track because I wasn't allowed to create a new condition. Rude, uh, but in all real effects it's a it's a condition track and that's great i i love condition tracks and them having unique effects um i love diseases in fourth edition um for for doing exactly that you know here's what it does to you at this level okay now it's gotten worse well now it's gotten worse and so on and um so i get what you're saying and i agree with you about that's you know three different things I have to remember that are bad mm-hmm. for me, right. um, but at the same time, I did frankly love it. It's just they were so bad for you so fast that you couldn't go on with the adventure and feel good about it if you had, you know, two. Well, now you can go on the go go on with the adventure, and it's just more difficult and dangerous with five. Right. You well, I mean, really remember, take a rest, but you know. remember, you're you're talking to the guy who ran Rhyme and the Frost Maiden and basically had like five sessions where all the players, all the PCs, had like two levels of exhaustion. Yeah, exactly. Because right. they couldn't stop. <laughs> right. Yeah. They could. They couldn't do that. Okay, I guess we're resting. Right. Right. And you know, yeah. you, you you put them in a situation where they had no other choice, and that's right. all to the good. Right. You can't do that in every adventure all the time. Oh no, of course not. Of course not. No, that was a very specific setup that very specifically was was difficult physically no matter what level or no matter what your PC was or anything like that. It was just very devastating. Um, But yeah. So in that case, that worked really well that it did different effects at each level. Um, But it still was a pain in the butt to remember. I mean, like just, just the idea of a system that works very simply is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and finally, you purge exhausted, exhausted, uh, one level at a time, mm-hmm. with long rests, which means you might well need a full week of rest, um, which is relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, like you and I are going to need after we finish this podcast series, right? <laughs> um, but keep in mind that rangers recover one per short rest, so they could reasonably recover from even the most serious exhaustion in a single day um i think that is a little weird Mm -hmm. um and um i think that with some of the other changes to long rest that we're going to get to it makes it a little bit um of pushing in opposite directions 
but again, we'll get to that. What I like uh, about the exhausted, condi- exhausted condition is that it is uh, a lasting consequence. Mm-hmm. It's going to stick with you for maybe the whole adventure uh, and not be totally gone until you get home. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I, it's funny. I don't think it's weird in the Ranger because uh, I think it's trying to be thematically appropriate with a person who is outside a lot and therefore has basically acclimated to getting a good night's sleep on the hard ground with a twig under your head. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, that idea. Right. But then, you know, well, so would the Druid and y- you know what I mean? And, and though they might not get that ability, we haven't seen them yet, but you know, so it's kind of right now I'm okay with it for the Ranger, but then if that same logic doesn't get pushed to out to other other certain classes, then it's going to kind of lose its, you know, suspension of disbelief for me. Right. Uh, right. Like if only Rangers are uh, tough, burly boys and mm-hmm. barbarians are uh, really the sort that need uh, a soft bed at night, but not right. too soft because right. they're getting on in years. Right. That would be unfortunate <laughs> right. to me. Right. Right. And, and Druids. So those are the three, you know, main ones. Right. right. Agreed. Um, but you know, yeah. So anyway, we can we can move on. So I, uh, I ultimately I like the exhausted uh changes. I think it's still very punishing, but it's at least uh it's very clear now and it has a very clear way to resolve it, and it's yep. not so punishing that it makes you immediately take a long rest as soon as you hit two. Right. And I'm also be curious to see if greater restoration still purges all of your levels of exhaustion oh. or some or what, because yeah. that's, yeah. That, that's a way to turn a pile of money into no exhaustion. Right. Um, but it's also a big burden to place on your healers starting at ninth level. So a curiosity, um, we'll see what, see what happens there. Um, mm. Expertise, no change. They just have to the rules block because it comes up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Fly speed. Flying is uh, uh, another movement mode, and so you can't land and walk without dashing. Right. A bit weird. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. okay. <laughs> um, the the yes. the cool change to fly speed is that uh, you are no longer knocked out of the air by becoming prone Mm -hmm. you don't fall until you're incapacitated or restrained right it always bothered me that a knockdown effect used on a dragon might readily do 20d6 of falling damage right yeah makes no sense just because prone is so cheap Mm -hmm. in the in the sort of continuity of conditions Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm They'll let you hand out prone all day. Uh, ask a ask a trip strike, or a tri- tripping attack, right. battle master. Just it's super cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, now it certainly still means that a monk with stunning strike is a great way to um, pull dragons out of the air. But you know, okay, right? Can't have everything. Yep. Um, Here's my gaming equipment for one gold piece. Yep. 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 Well, it, it's it's more than one game. In in all fairness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um Yep. Mm. Um so and, grappled is yeah. uh 
grappled is unchanged, I believe. And you know, from the um, character origins packet, and yeah. um, I think that I think that in the end we're going to wind up needing to see um, one more way to escape that is something active you do in your turn. I'd really like to see uh, escape also become part of disengage. Mm. Uh, because if you don't get to make a save, if you have no way to attempt to save other than a knock, a forced movement effect on your opponent, then that means you're ending your turn, seeing if you pass your save, and still standing within melee range. There's no yeah. getting away in that model. That's a right. problem. It makes grappling very strong. It, it makes grappling really really strong in a very deceptive way right but it it means that they've they will have replaced the escape attempt with just unarmed shove right mm-hmm. and i would need to i guess understand that as their true and full intent to feel great about it it's, it's weird right now um but yeah, you know, I, I talked in the character origins packet about the corner case of what happens if you shove someone who's grappling you, you move them away, but they're still grappling you. Do they move you too? And that isn't solved in this phrasing, but you know, you could read movable and you could read escape, and three or four different people could have a different thought about those two combinations of rules along with the move rules, right? Or along with speed. Yes, and, and I want that clarified. That was my right. point in the pre Me too, now. me too. That Remember, I mean, we had a whole conversation about it. I think right. it was on episode and, one, I, right? I, I'm just, yeah. I'm calling the listener's mind back to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what's the what's the uh, what's the shove? Where are you getting the shove rules, though? Because they're on, in on here, right? Uh, unarmed strike. Oh, it's an unarmed strike. That's right. And so it's way down here. So let's let's go down there for a second. You either push the target five feet away or you knock the target prone. This shove is possible only if the target's no more than one size larger than you. And so that's an, a melee attack, basically, an arm strike yep. melee attack. Um, I think what they're going for, and here's here's why I wanted to, to hit this, right? I think what they're going for is that grapple, because you use an unarmed strike to grapple, and you use an unarmed strike to shove, you're basically talking about two characters using unarmed strikes against each other mm-hmm. until one of them loses. Right. Right. Which is not a great use of grapple, to be perfectly honest. Um, maybe. Not like, as written. It's, it's really good stickiness if you need someone to be stuck there and right. not get a move. <laughs> But like the thing is, uh, you can shove someone without, a, even when you don't have a free hand, because you're just using your body and your mm-hmm. legs count. Right. You can shove someone with a headbutt, mm-hmm. um, as far as I can tell. Right. So that's a thing. Um, but going back up to um, where we to were, grapple, uh, yeah. to, to page thirty-two. Uh, the grapple condition hasn't changed from the previous packet, right? Mm-hmm. There's still some ambiguity here. Right. Um, 
but it's it's a problem. But in all fairness, uh, now that we've seen both the tavern brawler feat and the grappler feat, I'm I'm seeing how this is starting to click together, and I'm feeling more charitable toward it. There's just still some ambiguity that he's resolving. That's it. I'm just um, cringing at the idea of going back to a grappling situation that takes, you know, two pages to describe and resolve and hit every single case that you might, every combination of actions and cases that might come up and having to say, well, in that case, this thing is what determines the tiebreaker or in that case, this doesn't work, but this other thing does. And I just, I'm, I'm really not into that. The um, first edition get grappling rules broke the game. Oh, for sure. Right. And the sure. third, third edition grappling rules broke the game, not in terms of being overpowered or anything like that. Oh, but just they, in terms they could of be overpowered. To, nice. Right. But I, I, but I just mean, when I say they broke the game, it's like when, as soon as that was attempted and as soon as it became part of the game, it's like, okay, everybody go take a break because now we got to figure out the flipping grappling resolution here. Right. It's going to sure. stop everything. And, slow us down to the point where now we have to spend a ton of time trying to figure this out. And I don't like that idea. Yep. Um, I I would rather them be simple and unrealistic. I don't know how that got combined into stupid, but (laughs) I would rather them be simple and unrealistic than too complicated, hard to parse, confusing and difficult to resolve. Right. And I think that they can probably still tighten this up. Um, Mm -hmm. And keep the the cool functionality that's here sure. because Tavern Brawler and the Grappler feet add up to some pretty cool functionality mm-hmm. uh, that mm-hmm. could be a whole playstyle. Sure. So I hope that we'll see it remain a viable playstyle yeah. uh, as a, an add-on to otherwise weapon-using characters. Um, yeah. So that brings us to the Guidance spell, which has guidance. been very guidance. contentious. Um, yep. On Twitter, uh, it's shifted from an action to a reaction, mm-hmm. um, and, and it, it is very much in the same space. Uh, well, I'll get to it. I promise. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's shifted to the, the same space as Bard Inspiration, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's a reaction triggered by uh, you or a nearby ally failing an ability check. Um, it uh, applies the D4 only to that role, potentially turning that to a success. Mm-hmm. And the you can only be the target for a guidance spell once per long rest. So that, that rides on the target. That seems to be all guidance spells. Like if two characters in your party have guidance, uh, they're both locked out. You know, there's a debuff mm-hmm. on your character that says can't receive guidance in, in to use the you know video game parlance. Um, so I would love to see this change. I would like to at least see it change to, uh, per short or long, right? Because cantrips, man, cantrips, it'd be nice to be able to use them. Again. So now I go back to my, you know, I, I do believe that part of what they're doing here is reducing the power of magic because I think they are under the impression that it's going to make it easier to have predictable encounters. Yeah, right? maybe. Predictable encounter math, right? It's or possible. Pre- predictable, 
you know, difficulty math, right? Like if they're, I mean, think about it, if they're expanding the, you know, they, they've kind of, okay, bounded accuracy, except we can get a DC of 30, right? Because of expertise. Well, so there's that, that bound has been expanded. Well, and now we have to sort of limit how characters can get to that. So we can limit how much guidance you get. And since guidance is a cantrip, the complaint is it gets spammed too much, right? And so let's limit that. Well, so on, on the one hand, it gets spammed too much. And on the other, uh, you, you notice this instantly if you listen to an actual play where someone who might be named Sam Regal or uh, Laura <laughs> Bailey has guidance. Uh, they remember they have guidance right after the failed role. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to bring it in line with um, a common failed use state. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? I, like, yeah, I get it. You know, Matt yeah. calls them on, hey, you need to say guidance before the roll. Right. And so that's that's a, a friction point they'd like to sand off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And then then you have my teenage group where I pointed this out to them and finally started enforcing. You can't just guidance after you have to say it before the role. And then they started calling out guidance for every single role. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And, you know, so I think they're looking for a solution that helps that problem and the, and the original one. Right. Um, I'm not sure this is not, I, I, it could be too restrictive. I, in other words, I'm I'm not saying it's just right. Uh, it might be the it might have gone the pendulum swing a little too far, um, right? You know, for but for a cantrip, uh, I mean, right. I don't and, know how useful is a cantrip supposed to be, right? And, and the other thing about this is you're going to run into situations, uh, you know, made famous uh, uh, Order of the Stick comic, where no one is supposed to know that a check has even been rolled. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, if your ally is rolling stealth, you don't need to be using a verbal or a somatic uh, component to say, my buddy just failed a check. Right. Right. Or my buddy just failed a bluff check. What? Well, you just use components. Why? <laughs> um, no reason. Shut up. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, and, the, the spell exists in the fiction is my point. Right. And the, the thing is, though, like, I, and so that's all great. But the, the thing is that, right, like there's the game aspect of this where the players want to use every benefit that they can possibly scrape together to make sure they succeed at a task. Right. Yep. Um, and then there's the in in narrative universe aspect where. Yes, the spell exists in the in the narration, right. and so it wouldn't make sense. You know, it's sort of like if if a if a rogue wa- uh, walks up to a door and listens at the door and then tries to search for traps, and they roll really low, and so the player knows that they probably did not succeed, and that if that door is trapped, they're going to get hit with it. Well, um, the, but the DM has to tell them that it's a failure before they can even trigger the roll. Well, so well, no, no. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like in universe, here's the thing: yeah. if the player rolls a one, the player themselves knows, right? Yeah. But the rogue in game may yeah. or may not know. Like it's possible that they 
if they were high, if they were trying to sneak somewhere or they were, they were trying to be stealthy and they make a lot of noise because they stepped on a big twig or whatever, then yeah, they know that they probably failed their stealth roll. But, you know, for like checking for traps on a chest, if they roll a seven, they probably think they failed, but they don't know. So if the DM says, well, you don't find any traps to that player, they might think, oh, I didn't, I didn't get it right. Like I failed that role, but the, but the PC themselves in the narrative universe doesn't think they failed. They look yep. for traps like they always do. Yep. So they wouldn't need a guidance. That's a really good point. Right. And That's so really this point. is, and this is part of what I, I try to, I try to sort of teach my, my teenage players that, you know, there's a, you know, this, this is one of those intersections of player knowledge and PC knowledge where, you know, there is some element always, of course, of playing the game and, try, you know, you're rolling dice and you're trying to succeed at your tasks. But sometimes, right, like there was one time when when uh, one player did something and they were trying to, like, do a diplomacy or they, they were trying to convince somebody of something. I had them do a persuasion or or something and they rolled really low, mm-hmm. but but high enough that. Maybe it could pass, and and they were like, "Ooh, ooh uh, well, what, what if what if I guidance and what if I do this? What if I could do that?" And and I said, like, you would be offended that this other PC over here wants to cast a spell on you now after you just made your your persuasive argument, <laughs> because to you, you made a really good argument. Yeah. And your the PC doesn't know what what that D twenty die roll came up as, and you think you made a really good argument. And for this other Yahoo over here to say, "Hey, let me give you some guidance on that," and you're the expert on persuading, you're mad at this person <laughs> because they're basically saying you're not good at the thing you're good at. Yeah, and they, you know, it's it's one of those things where there is a a. a there is a line somewhere between the the game and the and what the PCs know in universe, and most of the time it doesn't matter, right? Yep. But this is one of those spells where it suddenly makes it like it's that it's where the fourth wall and the narrative wall intersect, and yep. so sometimes you know. So I, I still don't know if this is a good fix for it. I still don't know. I'm I, I'm undecided on it. No, I, I think you're making some really good points, and I think that like once it comes to the level of the character action, um, probably the the character logic needs to be there for it. I think that's probably yeah. pretty important. So, I I am buying your argument here pretty pretty strongly. Yeah, um, but here but here's my argument against the long rest thing though. So I I was making an argument against spamming guidance, right? But here's sure. the thing about uh, making it only work every long rest. Well. So that's some sort of like divi- it's divine it's a divine spell so it's some sort of divine or natural power that comes in and gives you that extra 1 to 4 to your num to your roll right it it gives you the little oof in your ability well how come then you can't do that again for a whole day how come you can't benefit the caster can cast it again but the pc can't benefit What's right. the na- where's the narrative there? Like, uh, what is the narrative I mean, saying there? The, the the god has already helped you as much as they're going to for that. Unless you're casting it as a primal spell, now what god is it? Mother Earth, 
the natural sure. force. Yeah. The natural force is only able to give you the tiniest modicum of help one time per day. Yeah, get wrecked, nerd. <laughs> okay, fine. Dude, I got no idea, man. I <laughs> Yeah, I don't I, I'm just I'm just pointing out that even though I'm making the argument, right, that guidance should not be spammed, but also I don't know that this is the fix that works, right? I don't know. Right. I I mean, there was enough um I'm going to say static about it on Twitter mm-hmm. that uh, we'll see what survives. Yeah. I, I would not be surprised to see this get uh, hit pretty hard in surveys. Mm-hmm. And I mean, let's say I'm feeling a little more sour on it than I was five minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> because, okay. because, because again, I, I think the argument is persuasive. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But let's move on to the yeah, help yeah. action. So help we action. Some, someday finish this. Um, <laughs> Never. Anyway. <laughs> clearly. Um, so the change here is that you can only provide uh, assistance on ability checks when you are proficient in the skill. You have to be proficient to mm. render aid. Right. Um, but that also touches on... Um, There, there really can't be ability checks in a on a logical level for which no skill applies, because then you couldn't help with them. Like no one can help, um, with mm. maybe an exception cut out for initiative. Because yeah, okay, you can't help with initiative. That's fine, whatever, right? Uh, who knows if initiative is still going to be, you know, labeled as an ability check in right uh, twenty twenty four the way it is in twenty fourteen, but uh, in 2014, there are plenty of concepts of this is an ability check for which there is no applicable skill. Um, the, the rules attempt to describe these in the player's handbook. Right. Uh, this, to me, seems to say that might not be valid anymore, right? Because a task for which you can't possibly help is... That that needs some some explication. Yeah, right? I mean they they kind of do the they they do that back off thing at the be- at the end where they say the DM has the final say on whether your assistance is possible. Right, right. that feels like permission to say no rather than pers- permission to say yes. Right. Well, because it's it's it follows the sentence about you ha- having to be close enough to the ally to assist verbally or physically. So right. the DM is basically can say no. Right. You know, is what that's saying, but. Uh, a, a generous reading would say, well, the DM could also say yes, right? Right. Uh, and there are definitely situations where I think it's specifically important to be uh, farther away for help to even make sense. Mm-hmm. That's called creating a diversion. Right. 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 You want to distract people and make them more vulnerable to uh, someone spinning a line of bull mm-hmm. or someone sneaking somewhere. Or whatever, right? Uh, line of sight, uh, you know, area of hearing is not constructive to that necessarily, right? Uh, okay, for the line of bull, sure, but for stealth, that's kind of specifically unhelpful, right? And you know, that's not a situation that comes up all the time in D anD D the way it would in Blades in the Dark, for example, right? But um, recognizing but does- that as a cool thing that players want to do might be nice. Right. Well, and it does it does sort of uh, call to question. Okay. Well, now you have assist attack role as as one of the help actions. 
couldn't you also have i mean we could think of a bazillion assists that you could do like what you're just describing assist via diversion could be a help action that doesn't right so in other words uh assistability check sounds like a broad statement but because it suddenly only applies to something you're proficient in it's not actually very broad it's relatively narrow whereas creating a diversion well do you have to have proficiency in persuasion or intimidation to create a diversion or like you know what i mean like I, i'm just agreeing with you but i'm just coming at it from yep. the other side because the very next thing we're going to talk about is assisting an attack role with a diversion right right but that's very specifically in combat and somebody the enemy has to be within five feet of you. It's not creating a diversion to to get someone's attention so that your you know your ally can make a stealth check, right? Right. So uh, yeah, this this feels very restrictive. It's it's as if they're sort of testing out uh assisting, you know, actions, but it's not really fully baked yet, I think, at this point. Yep. Um so heroic inspiration comes next. Mm -hmm. um, most of what there's to say about this, we have already said about you get it on a one. Um, I think the point that you know people with extra attack are going to wind up generating more inspiration than mm -hmm. other classes is a really good point. It means that fighters and monks generate a lot of inspiration and hasted characters generate more inspiration and that all just kind of winds up being odd right um and again they sort of hedge that with the last statement right the dm can award heroic inspiration to a pc who's done something that's particularly heroic or in character right and the reason we're doing this in the first place is that they know for a fact that those rules get uh missed more often than you oh, of course yeah of course. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah uh, otherwise unchanged aside from being renamed to heroic inspiration, which is a good change. <laughs> yeah, I, I mock it with my tone, yeah. but it's a good change. Yeah. Um, so the next big thing is the hidden condition. Um, they're really changing how stealth and perception work. And like, I've had to deal with designing stealth and perception metagames for um, other games before, and it's hard. Um, one of the nastiest game fights I've ever been in was about um, the stealth and perception meta in really early fourth ed. Um, like, I think the player might have walked on the campaign because of my ruling on stealth, which was in my defense in line with the rules. Um, but um, that, was a, that was a tough time. My point is that because of how stealth and perception are... Uh, Either the hiding character gets all of what they want and the opponent gets none of what they want or vice versa. It is a very all or nothing situation. Partially perceived is not a use case. You see what I mean? Yep. Uh, so like, you can't you know, split the difference very well. Anyway, what happens here is that hidden is a condition that is on the person hiding. Um, you, it makes you immune to spells and effects that are a creature you can see because you can't be seen, you're concealed. Mm -hmm. um, you have advantage on initiative if you're hidden at the time you make the roll. That's interesting. 
they're trying to shift how surprise works. And I like it. Um, surprise has been a really uh, not great part of 5e up to this point, uh, as every assassin will tell you. And so if all surprise does now is advantage on initiative, if you start the combat hidden, like, okay, I can probably live with that. It isn't much compared to I get just a free round of attacks, suck it. Right. But okay. At least it's uh, consistent and fair um, and, and contained in the rules. Um, it applies disadvantage on attack rolls against you and grants you advantage on your outgoing attack rolls. Mm-hmm. Um, there are only some cases where it's even obvious how you would attack someone who you couldn't perceive. You'd have to know what square they were in and they would have to not have enough cover to prevent you from attacking them. It's it's kind of um it's kind of tough and hooks into the hide action uh that requires three quarters cover or total cover. So I don't know how that interacts with the sharpshooter feat. It lets you ignore uh half and total. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, ignore three quarters cover. Like, are you not hidden from them behind three quarters cover because they ignore it? That's probably not right, but it feels like uh, a weird area of rules all the same. Um, I'm not going back through the document to get the wording just right. I'm just not. (laughs) Um, And then ending the hidden condition, uh, there, there are a series of different things that break hidden. Um, You make a sound louder than a whisper. An enemy finds you. This is really thorny because for everything else that is hammered down very cleanly, uh, what constitutes finding is actually not super clear. It touches on the search action, but also more than that. Um, Because... uh, uh, one enemy finds you, you're no longer hidden from anyone. The hidden condition is denied to you completely. Is sort of, oh, I guess the enemy can just have a spotter? Is that a thing? Um, so I don't sort of know how that is going to feel. Um, like, if there's a bazillion minions on the field, and then one dragon with blindsight, for example, um, I guess you're not hiding. (laughs) You just can't hide from anyone because an enemy finds you. Um, You make an attack roll. All right. So we know about the, uh, the the skulker feat that lets you retain hidden when you miss with an attack roll. That's, that's an exception to this use case, but you have to emerge from um, hidden after you make an attack roll. Right. That's pretty normal. Uh, you cast a spell with a verbal component. Okay. Ouch. Um, but boy, does it make silent spell look like a great, great metamagic if it's still mm-hmm. in the game. Right. Or you aren't heavily obscured or behind any cover. So if the enemy walks around the wall, mm-hmm. you aren't, aren't hidden anymore. So that's the thing about making it a condition that's on you that you have or don't. Um, 
one enemy walks around the, ro- the wall, you're not hidden from anyone anymore. Is that right? That seems not right. They they kind of know where you are, maybe, but kind of not, because communicating that clearly is not always doable. I don't know. I, the, the ending hidden feels not there to me. And I'm being really, really um, nitpicky about it because uh, it is so all or nothing in terms mm-hmm. of whether the enemy can wreck this rogue or ranger or monk, I guess. I mean, I, I guess my thing about if the enemy walks around the wall, suddenly you're not hit, you know, okay, you're not hidden, but you are still concealed and you might have total concealment from many of the other creatures that are around there, or at least, you know, almost total concealment, right? Right. So it's not a complete wash. You don't just suddenly, it's not like well, suddenly you're standing out in the middle of the room naked, right? Right. Maybe. Right. Um, but their attack rolls against you no longer have disadvantage. Maybe. But because like the attack rolls having disadvantage uh, doesn't seem to be, well, it isn't obviously stored in heavy obscurement anymore. We don't have those rules here. It seems to be stored in hidden. Unless you also get that from heavy obscurement, which we'd have to see. It would make yeah. sense because they can't see you. It's mm-hmm. like the blinded condition, right? Right. right. Which right. I, I assume will exist in some form. Uh, it might get renamed. Who knows? But it'll exist in some form. Um, anyway, um, I guess this might be fine, but I would love to see them do a YouTube video getting into even painfully picky use cases. Um, mm-hmm. That brings us to the hide action, the one that puts <laughs> you in hidden. Um, so because we're getting rid of contested checks uh, to hide, you make a DC 15 uh, deck stealth check um, that you have to be heavily obscured or behind three quarters cover or behind total cover and you must be out of any visible enemy's line of sight. Um, and then if you can see a creature, you can discern whether it can see you. Um, the three quarters cover and out of any visible enemy's line of sight, those seem to be at odds to me. I'm not sure how you're out of their line of sight if you're behind three quarters cover relative to them. And, and here again, cover is always relative to other creatures, right? Mm-hmm. Because you can uh, stand right next to a chest high wall with your crossbow and the enemy has no cover from you as you shoot over the wall. None. Uh, cover from them. And then like, h- how's that work exactly um i don't want them to have to get into this level of nitpicky detail but having come this far they have to go all the way right um anyway uh, i mentioned the dc 15 check uh your roll result if you roll 15 or higher becomes the dc to find you with a uh, perception check uh, so there's still a contested check 
They're just making it clear that you're setting a DC as the one doing the hiding. Right? Um, uh, the hide action doesn't talk about the search action, but the search action is very relevant to ending <laughs> hidden. Yeah. Um, incapacitated is unchanged uh, in all but one function. It's just that some of the functions were not well explained before. Um, your concentration is broken. I'm not sure that was written in the old incapacitated condition. It was written in the concentration rule. Um, you can't take actions or reactions. Great. You can't speak. That's interesting. Maybe relevant for passing on information. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, raising an alarm if you're an NPC, especially. Right. And finally, if you're incapacitated when you roll initiative, you have disadvantage on the roll. This is mainly about being woken up while you're encamped at night, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, influence action. So. Oh boy. So yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I want to start by saying that this is identical or almost identical to rules currently found in the 2014 DMG. Um, you can go back to our episode uh, on the 2014 uh, DMG with um, newbie DM, and we covered that two-page spread in detail. Uh, there was contention, not really between us as speakers, but between us and the rules. Um, and uh, a, a big part of this rule uh, turns on um, the reminder in the text, uh, this action can only be used on creatures controlled by the DM, and it isn't mind control. It isn't mind control. Mm -hmm. um, it can't force a creature to do something that is counter to the creature's alignment or that is otherwise repugnant to the creature. Um, so a deep fundamental problem with all social conflict rules is that um, they work if everyone at the table is willing to be reasonable and use reasonable definitions of what the rules mean. Things start breaking fast if someone isn't willing to be reasonable and trust the DM to interpret things in a fair way. Um, like, is this repugnant enough to trigger the rule? You know, they don't want that. Well, it's established they don't want that. That's why you're rolling. But does it rise to the level of repugnant? Right? Mm -hmm. um, which, like, court cases have, you know, argued about definitions of words such as this in this kind of context for as long as we've had written law. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. In, in in the standard is would a reasonable person right. in this situation perceive this as repugnant? Right. Right. Or but perceive also, this in, in as harassment or perceive this as an action that is undesirable. Right. And, and in the context of this rule, you also have to take into account, would someone with this creature's set of extant loyalties and beliefs, 
regard this as reasonable. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing that further complicates that in the player's defense is that they can't know everything about the NPC. It's not right. their job to, mm-hmm. right? Right. And so uh, these rules will more or less work if you are willing to trust the DM and the DM is willing to uh, have success be on the table some but not all of the time. There there need to be things that are off limits to success. They're just due. Um, you're not going to walk into the throne room and with a, you know, Roll of a twenty or a twenty-five mm-hmm. or a thirty or a thirty-five right. on a persuasion check, convince the monarch to yield their crown to you. Goodness, they've been waiting all this time for <laughs> someone like you to right, show up right. in their lives because right. goodness, you're so charismatic. Mm-hmm. That's not a thing. And if you insist on it being a thing, then these rules aren't for you. You're not going to be able to have fun with them. It's just going to make everyone sad. Um. So I don't want to get through picking all of that apart. I'd like to move over to the discussion of ability checks within influence. Um, They're all charisma checks, but they use different skills than you might have sometimes seen because animal handling here uses charisma. Mm -hmm. It's cool to see that they're committing to other pairings. Ability score, ability modifier, and skill. That's wonderful. We've been wanting it for a long time to mm-hmm. see even this much official support. It's in the rule book, and they still don't do it really in adventures. Well, so we and the, the problem is that they then it's in the rule book, but then on the official character sheet, right? They put an attribute next to each skill. Yep. And so that's what people use because that's the number on their sheet. Sure is. And I so, can't tell you how many times I've asked. I mean, I, I'm one of those DMs who I do this all the time. I ask for an ability check with a skill that's not usually associated necessarily with oh, that ability. Oh, same. Absolutely. And the players are always fumbling around. Oh, wait. Okay. Well, let's see. What do I add? And it's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, a lot of times, you know, I'm not even changing the math because it's just uh, that they'll have the same modifier mm-hmm. and maybe maybe they're still proficient. So it's right. oh, it, it's only technically different. It's not even changing the math. Um, so the downside of it here is that the animal handling skill uh, chiefly goes to people who don't have good charisma. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't have enough incentive to invest in charisma because animal handling is not enough incentive uh, for druids, rangers, uh, presumably also some fighters and barbarians to have more than a 12, maybe a 13 at the absolute outside in charisma. It's just not there. And I'm sad about that. It would be cool if they did, but I mean, Especially if you're using the standard array, that's not happening. I'm sorry, it's not. I could see a feat or a little class feature ability of some sort that basically says uh, when when using animal handling to try to change the attitude of a beast or monstrosity, you can use your wisdom yep. 
ability modifier instead yep. of your charisma, right? You can well, make well, a wisdom check instead of a charisma check. And in the same vein, uh, I am hardly the first person to say, gosh, wouldn't it be nice if uh, clerics rolling religion could apply wisdom uh, wisdom rather than right. intelligence and right. druids rolling nature could apply mm-hmm. wisdom rather than intelligence. Right. Uh, it, everyone has had that thought by now. Right. And um, the way that it really nudges uh, clerics away from the knowledge domain and clerics and druids and bards away from the sage mm-hmm. background is all very unfortunate to me. I'd like to see mm-hmm. that handled differently. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where the right uh, place is to put that rules widget, but the rules widget needs to exist because those are all mm-hmm. great fun concepts that the game doesn't support well enough right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm just saying like, I understand they're trying to make charisma, charisma really useful. Sure. For yeah. changing the attitude and influencing NPCs yeah. and, and beasts and monstrosities. And I agree that that is, that sort of makes sense. Right. But, um, you know, uh, it, 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 because it doesn't help, you know, druids. Right. It it sort of goes against the fundamentals of animal handling, the the fundamentals of what animal handling can be or, or means in general. Like it just feels like it's not supporting a particular type of character. And so if you're going to niche protect, suddenly you're going to niche protect charisma as a necessary, you know, whatever, then. Right. Okay, I guess. I, no, but but, the, but now we're gonna niche protect it into every influence action. Like I don't know. Yeah. So it doesn't. So, yeah. so there's there's another change going on here that is really easy to miss. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look back at the uh, 2014 rules for animal handling, uh, it only works on domesticated animals, mm-hmm. uh, mounts, or intuiting an animal's right. intentions. Mm-hmm. That's not really the same as this just works on influencing beasts and also monstrosities. No, I know this is specific. This is specifically not actually animal handling. It's trying to influence beasts. And that's why I kept saying beasts and monstrosities. Right, right. Because I, I, I just think it's know. really cool that animal handling influences beasts and monstrosities. Right, now. right. I think that's great. But what I'm saying is like, I think that's really awesome too, except yeah. that yeah. now they've pushed it into the charisma. Completely agreed. Right. And so for me that it's a this weird sort of intersection of we want to protect charisma as a necessary non-dump stat, which by the way, I think they've done multiple times already. So they don't necessarily need that here. But uh I think what they're trying to avoid is saying, oh, to influence and change attitude, you know, we have to assign a different attribute for each type of creature. So they sort of shortcut it and said, well, it's always charisma, but uh, I don't know. I, it just, it, it, it feels like uh, it's definitely play test. Let's put it that way. Yep. It's definitely um, a play test. And we do see other applications for animal handling in mm-hmm. this document that yes, are paired with wisdom. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so moving on to invisible, honestly, just alighting some of the conversations about interaction because mm-hmm. folks, we could be here all night on just interaction. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. On, I mean, on influence, that, yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, so invisible uh, incorporates the surprise thing that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you're invisible when you roll initiative, you have advantage on the roll. 
that's a subset of being yep. hidden. You're, yep. it, it does the hidden condition. Uh, it is a, a superior condition mm-hmm. to hidden that doesn't right. invoke hidden. Right. Um, so next up is the jump action. We Which actually covered this covered it, yeah. in, in gruesome <laughs> detail yep. um, back in our second episode. Yep. Um, I'm going to skip it now. Yep. I don't have anything else to say about it. Yeah. Uh, the either. light weapon property is a huge change to two-weapon fighting. It's a change that has been desperately needed to make two-weapon fighting a thing that stays viable through getting more extra attacks. Um, and you know, it still does eventually get outweighed by uh, just smashing things in the face with a great weapon um, <laughs> because you're getting both of your D6s all the way up through your extra attack uh, rather than your one offhand attack. That said, it no longer uses your bonus action. So the, so fighting with two weapons no longer breaks the Horizon Walker right. or cunning action mm-hmm. or second wind or just pick whatever you want. <laughs> There's so many things that didn't work right. because of using bonus actions. Uh, it does also create uh, two-weapon fighting as a very viable thing for monks to do. And it, as a result, is a pretty big early game damage boost for monks. Mm-hmm. Um, unclear at this time, because I haven't done the math, how that would turn out in the late game. Also, we don't know how much monks are changing. Right. Um, you know, no, no way to know yet. I'm but, assuming that when and if we get it in a packet, we're going to see some big changes. I, I think that's a pretty good chance. Yeah. Right. Um, I know that monk discourse is a very contentious place. Um, <laughs> I, I have my opinions, but they're even more of a digression than is normal for us. So we'll <laughs> skip it for now. So we'll not do that. <laughs> not, not at the moment. Um, I, I do want to point out that um, these these two open fighting rules uh, make both your weapons be light instead of one is one handed and one mm-hmm. be light. Um, right. So you have two open fighting rules that explicitly do not support uh, rapier and dagger. So right. you did it wrong. Go try again. Is how I feel about that. <laughs> but maybe maybe the rapier rules will work with that somehow. What do yeah. I know? Yeah. Um, but right now it's not supported. Um, or or you get a particular subclass that can do that. Right. Like be. a swashbuckler. Could be. Yep. Um, so. Uh, long rest. Um, the change here, there are two changes to speak of. You regain all hit dice rather than half your hit dice. Um, yeah, I'm, I join you. It's a bad change to me. Mm-hmm. Really deeply not a fan. Yeah. Um, and uh, any interruption. Of, including uh, combat. Of, any interruption, including combat or other normal interruptions. Mm-hmm. you get no long rest. So you, right. you become stuck in the need a long rest loop. Mm-hmm. And like that's actually bad. That means that the DM is being pretty uncool to have something surprise you at night and they're just hijacking the adventure for a long time. Mm-hmm. That was not the part of the long rest rule that needed to change. Not at all. So 
I think I think the reason why the hit dice regain goes up to all is because of this. Because I think that they are assuming that combat is going to interrupt a long rest at least some of the time. And therefore the party's going to need all their hit dice back the next time they long rest because now they, now their first long rest was interrupted. Um, right? And all they got was a short rest out of it. I can kind of see that, but I feel that just makes the all or nothing situation more egregious. And I think that's mostly to the game's detriment. I mean, I don't. So, I mean, I play old school, right? A castles and crusades. Sure. Oh, you, in, you know, sure. you don't, you don't get, you don't get for a long rest. Right? You slept. That's what you get, well, right? Well, I mean, um, you get all your spells back. Well, you, yeah, no, I, I know, I'm, I'm being more facetious than, than anything. But for me, this interruption thing doesn't bother me, right? The I, cha- the change I of adding. I feel more different about it, honestly. The, the, the change I, of in... adding all the spent hit dice back is what bothers me. Oh, so I've been in so many campaigns where, like, we're in this long overland travel. Mm-hmm. There is no concept of a way for us to be safe at night, and the DM is going to attack us at night when he feels like it. Like, right? But like, the, every the adventure night, is just going to be miserable for the casters only, right? Because it doesn't that's... do anything to the fighters; it just wrecks the casters. But so here, so. I mean, I, I guess what I, so see, that's an issue of either, you know, that DMs being a dick. Right. But right? this rule doesn't need to turn that DM into a dick for this. Right. I, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is if you're camping in a dangerous area, you're still, it's still not a guarantee that you're getting attacked. It's not an absolute guarantee. Uh, all depends on your. It, depend, um, it depends on, uh, on where your, you your are for that and, and your style of game and, and what, how your DM is, right? I, I think that a lot of the time the players don't have the tools at their disposal to do anything about that. Mm-hmm. And I think that it just puts them at the mercy of you know, the DM. Does the DM feel like the caster is not having fun tomorrow? I mean, I, I guess, I guess here's the thing, right? Like, how many, you know, um, you know, Liaman's tiny hut or Mormon's yeah, mansion? Extremely or, to hell with that spell. You know, I'm just saying, like, you know, you, I, I, I think this is a response to, yeah, you know, this is a response to Liaman's tiny hut. That is the wrong response. I, I'm not. It couldn't I, be more wrong. I'm. I don't actually have. I. <laughs> I, I. I'm. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying that that there's a lot of ways to let me put it this way. I know in a lot of games rest never gets interrupted. Or it gets interrupted with combat and then everybody just goes back to sleep and everything's fine in the morning. And that idea is unpalatable to a lot of people, right? And I, so sure they made this change. I haven't seen it in play. I don't know if it's a good change or not. I don't know. I can't tell. I I think if the if the idea is uh the the rule will definitely be exploited by a DM who's going to use it against the players 
constantly and never let them take a long rest, well, then you might as well just remove long rest from the game. But I think the problem is that it does, it gives the, you know, fighter types. Here I'm talking about you know, your fighters, your barbarians, your rogues, mm-hmm. um, and your monks, everything back. And it gives the spellcasters nothing back. I think that all or nothing situation is a bad problem. And then if the solution is Lehman's tiny hut, which is just a, a third level ritual, right? It's a, it's a ritual. So you don't even spend a spell slot on it. Mm-hmm. Then like, Oh, um, at fifth level, you suddenly become immune to this rule, right? Right. That's yeah. that's also bad. It's right, just I, I, I'm it, not it, saying it's good. What I'm it, saying is, I think this is you know, it's, it's pushing things to a more extreme state in the rules mm-hmm. rather than uh, resolving an actual issue, rather than either resolving the issue or saying sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Or, or you get some of what you want, but not all of what you want. And I think that's, I think that's not great design. I think it's a, a going to create more problems than it helps. I mean, I I I don't know if I for me it's not an issue, right? Like Fair I don't enough. I I'm already I'm very old school. My house rules are very old school, so it's, n- you know, it's just not you an know. issue for you because among the things you have a different rule for it. Right, exactly. I mean, and, and, and I'm being perfectly honest about that, right? Like, yeah. I already don't like. To but, me, this is a good change, right? Uh, aside from getting um, all the hit dice back. Aside from yeah, I don't like the hit dice all coming back. I think that's BS. But like, this is a good change. But you know, the other thing is like, so do you play in groups where where you have a lot of pure marshals where they didn't take any kind of subclass with any kind of magic whatsoever? Yeah. See, I, 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 yeah, I, absolutely. Have, I have not been in those kinds of groups in, in pretty much every group that I have been in or run. Almost everybody has magic. I, I understand from talking to you that you're not accustomed to having a ton of bas- battle masters running around, but right. oh boy, am I yeah, ever. And I, I am not. And I, and, and one of my big complaints about 5e is every freaking body has magic and it bugs the hell out of me because right. it doesn't fit my conception of. And, and of that, my fantasy world, right? And, and that doesn't fit my experience right, of, of yeah, 5e, yeah. right? No, I know. I I totally and I I know that. And I mean, we've talked about it, right? Yeah. And so, like, but be but because of that, for me, this change doesn't really like. I like this change, other than the all the hit dice back, right? Whereas for you, I could see where it looks really lopsided. Yep. Because all of your marshals are fine. <laughs> yep. All right. Yeah. Let's I let's totally, try to yeah, get to the end of this document. On. So. <laughs> So the magic action uh, it replaces cast a spell. Yep. Um, yep. This action is bad because magic is not a verb. <laughs> I agree. Let's move on. <laughs> Find a damn verb. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. So move. Yes. Uh, what actually, was wrong? What was wrong with the word cast? Like what? It, what? It, why is well, this? Well, so yeah. so so cast isn't enough, and uh, spell is no longer accurate for creatures. For for NPCs. Oh right, accurate. you're right. You're absolutely right. Yep, yep, yep. I was so, I was only thinking of PCs. I was only thinking. Of, yep, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, that's the issue. Okay. All right. Okay. So let's move on. Yeah. Uh, what a so bunch of bull- anyway, <laughs> right. So so 
<laughs> in actuality, we've already we've covered move yes. really thoroughly yeah. already. Yeah, we did. Um, uh, but yeah, um, let's see. You can still break up your move as long, but you can't yeah. break up the type of move. You can break up the move into right. Right, 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 increments yeah. of of distance. Right. Uh, difficult terrain still slows you down, same as the original rule. Uh, you can move around through allies all that stuff same as before you know all, all of those rules are basically the same uh yep. you can move even around or through a space with a creature who's two sizes larger or smaller than you or through a tiny creature all that's the same the difference is that uh if you have a climb speed or a swim speed that's now those types of environments do not cost you difficult terrain okay yep but the same thing I said before, where you cannot mix and match your speed types in one move. Yep. All right. So, um, anyway, see yeah. musical instrument. Um, I'm sure that mu- musicians would be very amused to know yeah. that their instruments are not terribly expensive. Well, um, I mean, they spent 20 gold pieces, just like I spent only one gold piece on all my gaming stuff. I mean, this totally tracks. checks out. Yep, yeah, checks out. Checks out. Um, primal spells, blah, primal blah, spells blah. Are recovered. Yeah. Uh, so ritual casting, um, if it has a ritual tag, you can now cast it as ritual. Mm-hmm. Full stop. Yep. Um, and otherwise, it's the same as 2014. Yep. Okay. Uh, so the search action, um, I have an issue with being an action. We've covered this before. Mm-hmm. If you're going to use it in combat, then an action feels like a lot. If you're using it out of combat, of course, you don't care that it's an action. Right. Um and so here's here's the thing. This is also why I don't like the magic action, right? Okay, go ahead. Because when someone says, oh, I'm going to cast this spell, the DM's not going to say, so you're using the magic action, well, right? Well, sure, no. And if this person says, if this PC player says, uh, I want to, I, can, I, can I do an insight? I want to see this creature state of mind. I want to know if they're lying or whatever. The DM's not going to say, so you're using a search action? Like, right. it's just insane to give it that kind of moniker, right? I understand right. what they're doing. They're trying to put this this set of actions or activities under a particular heading. I get it, but it's just dumb. I'm sorry. I, it's just I, dumb. I'm, not, I'm not wild about it in, in that sense. Um, telling you different things you can use your skills for is great. Um, Agreed. Agreed. Medicine still needs more to do yes, while, while I'm here. Yeah. Uh, Creature's ailment. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> are you down with a sickness? No? All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, <laughs> the other the other part of this is you would be using your action to search for something hidden uh, if you don't have something that lets you use it as a, as a bonus action and like, okay, I found it. It mm-hmm. can just go hide again. Cause I used my action. Right. Yeah. Now I can't follow it. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like I can move to where it is because I still have my move, but yeah. All right. Well, and this it's, it's sort of a, a big game of hide and seek where you never get an attack, but they do get an attack. Maybe if they have something, maybe cunning action. So, yeah. I mean this though, this, this i know you're speaking of it in terms of in a combat round but to me this is invoking for me the idea and i hate to say this because i don't really think that they're turning 5e into pathfinder 2 okay i really don't i'm not saying that i know some people are saying that and i think it's bull but 
the thing is, if it this this makes it look like they want to name these things so that then they can have a way to refer to them and this type of action during an exploration phase or a downtime phase rather than a combat phase. I mean, I, I think that to a large extent, that's correct. I, I think they want to be able to present mm-hmm. uh, challenges in a more cogent way. It's right. just that the, the language of search is not actually improving on the language of uh, a character that succeeds a uh, wisdom check insight. Right. Absolutely. I totally agree. So we'll see. I'm just saying, I, I like, I, I feel like the terminology is being used and it sounds half baked and not complete. And like, it doesn't really work for a combat round for all the reasons you stated. Yeah. You're very good argument. Right. But I think that's because they're trying to go in a certain direction. And we just don't have all the information yet. Yeah. And, and honestly, the issue is just, you want me to do this instead of maybe attacking, casting right. a spell? Right. Like th- those are yeah. exciting. You this mean instead something. of doing the magic action, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. Uh, so, so next up is short sword. Short sword is simple weapon now. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I yeah, I'm assuming that's um for reasons. Anyway. Um. <laughs> yeah. Uh. That's a that's a fine question. I mm-hmm. doubt we'll ever get an answer. To be honest yeah. with you. Um. But if you look at the math, uh, short sword actually probably should be simple. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I don't. Yeah, like like compared to other weapons, right. um, because it is a step weaker than um, everything. The, the rapier. Right. I'd like to see the scimitar get bumped up. I said that before. I'll say it again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Slowed condition. No change to slowed condition. Still great to see it here. Great right. uh, import from fourth. Mm-hmm. Love it. Let's go. Yeah. Um, and your favorite action. Yeah, my very favorite. Um, Mercy. So uh, it's just that the game doesn't currently have enough good stuff to tell you from a study action to make it be your combat turn. Out of mm-hmm. combat, this thing is fine. I have no problem with this in the world out of combat, except that quick study doesn't do anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Uh, unless you're going to start giving me skill challenges that follow the action economy of combat which is a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. We'll see. And this is why I say like they're, they're, they're invoking or e- evoking in me ideas of, Oh, they're going to have an exploration phase yeah. and a, and a combat phase and a downtime yeah. phase like and, Pathfinder and, too. And, uh, and I don't want that level of intrusive, right. Uh, always in a mechanical state mm-hmm, situation. Mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, anyway. So anyway, if it weren't for this being, presented as though you're going to use it in combat, this would be lovely. Right. And yeah. uh, it is cool to see a bit of a thematic upgrade for investigation. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yes. I like it too. I, I noticed that as well. One word. Ciphers. Gadgetry. Ciphers. <laughs> the word well, for me is ciphers. <laughs> well, like, uh, like, like maybe, maybe your game has enough ciphers mm-hmm. to, to carry them on. Yeah, but I think that was kind of supported in what investigation did before. But sure. now it's the one that covers machinery. Yeah, it's a yeah. little bit of your non-magical engineering skill, and I mm-hmm. think that's neat. It's a little odd, and I hope that they remember that they did this when they write the artificer. Well, I was going to say, is the artificer right now? Is the, are they like heavy on intelligence? Yeah, the artificer is an intelligence caster. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so that's, that's promising, good. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I just remember that you made them about devices 
And yeah. you know, while I'm here, I'd like to see uh, the Clockwork Soul Sorcerer, if it ever comes to the 2024 rules, uh, touch on this in some way, mm-hmm. because gadgetry. Anyway, right. um, <laughs> swim speed, no change. Tool proficiency, no change. Teleportation, uh, actually no, no meaningful real change. change. Yeah. It's fine. Um, I was curious why it must be referred to in one of the features. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I, I couldn't, I don't, I didn't detect any meaningful change in there. Uh, I was wondering if there was something I missed about it. Uh, not to my knowledge. Um, okay. Then tremor sense is unchanged tremor from sense. the character options, yeah. the, the character origins packet. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fine. Um, it's here because dwarfs. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I like. I, li- I liked that. Right. Yeah, I, I everything I saw suggests yeah. it was very, very yep. popular. Right, right. Um, yeah. And finally, unarmed strike, which is unchanged from the character origins packet. Mm-hmm. And as previously tested, I'm warming to it. Um, it helps that you are still, you're once again allowed to crit with an unarmed strike. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Even though that crit becomes way better if you have a ta- if you're a tavern brawler. Um, <laughs> right. But that's the thing, though, right? That that's what they're going for yeah. is making that really demonstrably effective, right? Yeah. Um, and while I'm thinking about it, um, I'd kind of like to see um, uh, something. I'd like to see Tavern Brawler maybe filed under fighting styles. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, or, or or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Now you can just take it at first level even without a bonus fighting style thing, but I would probably not have too much trouble saying to, you know, the, the fighters and frankly, the Rangers and barbarians and paladins in my life. Um, <laughs> yes, you can be a tavern brawler. Of course you can. Good Lord. That can be your fighting style. I, right. That, that's awesome. Go, go ham on that place. Do yeah. some architectural damage. <laughs> Screw architecture. It's keeping you down. <laughs> Um, yeah. So that brings us to the end of the document. Um, wow, what a ride! Yeah. Final thoughts. Um, oof. So taking the four episodes of this document together, um, I think that this document is more bad stuff than good stuff for me. Really? Hmm. There, there is definite good stuff here, but. Man, what's going on with the Bard is not good to me. Like they have taken a, a very good competitive class and made it, as we discussed at great length, mm-hmm. um, a second class citizen. And I think that's just very bad. Um, I think that Rogue is not there. I think that uh, Rogue le- needs less change overall than Bard, but Rogue is not there. Because it needs uh, a more exciting move. Um, I really deeply think that every class needs a feature that comes back on short rest. Mm-hmm. It, I, I don't necessarily care what it is. It just needs to be, hey, we took a short rest and I got a cool thing back. In addition to spending or, or we took a long rest, it got interrupted. So we got the benefits of the short rest. And that means that I got this one thing back. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, I would actually really like to see um, every class get something that is 
on the order of arcane recovery. Well, every spellcaster, every primary spellcaster gets something that's like arcane recovery or mm-hmm. uh, uh, natural recovery kind of thing. Um, but I'd also like to see them all be at base per long rest casters because I think pack magic is uh, not really landing for me in you know observation at the table. It, yeah. it can be good if someone is really enjoying Eldritch Blast mm-hmm. as a as a you know, primary play style, but uh, <laughs> um, I don't love it. Yeah, um, it, it is not my deal. I like more varied cantrip use to say nothing of spell use. Right, um, and. Uh, I'm very strongly influenced in this by you know, my wife, who is playing a, a warlock and uh, is, as I am, replete with opinions. <laughs> um, well, and you know, like in my D and D brief game, uh, our warlock had a problem because they just simply didn't short rest very often. Yeah, yeah, that like. Needing short rests much more than everyone else needs short rests is, is a, a problem. problem. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. the, the rogue having no need for short rests whatsoever is, is a problem. Is a problem to mm-hmm. me. Um, I would like to see Font of Bardic Inspiration go to the bard much much earlier right. so that they're getting paid for short rests. Mm-hmm. You know, second level. Second level is fine. Let's do second level. Could be first. Whatever. I don't care. Yeah. Um, but most of the feats are fine. Um. There are a few that could maybe stand to be more exciting. All of the epic boons need to be more exciting. Yeah. Uh-huh. All of them. Yeah, those felt like phoning it in. Um, and actually, all three of the subclasses are missing something. Of them, Thief is in the best shape to me. Um, the the Hunter, uh, I mean, Conjure Barrage is terribad. It is it is a bad use of your action, uh, unless enemies have done you the favor of standing in formation. Um, I'd like to see Hunter's Lore do like one more thing, because what gets me about this is just there aren't enough vulnerabilities in the game to be something you take advantage of. So maybe I'd really like it if Hunter's Lore told you how many legendary resistances they had left yeah so just for the audience's uh edification uh at sixth level hunter's lore you can call on the forces of nature to reveal certain strengths and weaknesses of your prey while a creature is marked by your hunter's mark you know whether that creature has any immunities resistances and vulnerabilities and if the creature has any you know what they are yeah look at me forgetting that you might in fact have not listened to Two episodes ago. Yeah, that's, that's okay. Super fair. Super fair. <laughs> um, so that's that's a lot of like individual downsides. But mm-hmm. like I say, in the main, the feats are are good, um, yeah. and there are useful fixes happening there uh, within the rules glossary. Um, it's sort of sort of a wash. Um, there is definitely good stuff happening. Uh, there's also things that are clear steps in 
weird or why would you do that directions or just right. oh, okay but now that needs to get re-improved because that's not good enough to take anymore looking right. at you guidance um, <laughs> yeah so i don't know um obviously i'm very happy to see the the crit rules reverted i was mm -hmm. very much not a fan of those um and so like that's just us watching the the messy parts of the process mm -hmm. um and so a lot of packets are going to be kind of well i didn't like that yeah we know you didn't like that that's that's the goal to find the stuff you don't like right. and fix it mm -hmm. so um like i i was very involved in the DD next playtest process and all of the feedback steps and um a lot of those packets i disliked mm -hmm. and it created a game that is my favorite edition of DD. so you know no amount of dislike in these packets actually says anything about the final product right um so we'll right. see and that's partly why I'm reserving a little bit of judgment for a lot of this. Um, right. There are definitely some things I don't like. Uh, and a lot of the complaints I actually have are more about presentation because I'm a process person. So I don't want them to flub the presentation and flub the naming of something or flub, flub the categorization of something. Cause also I'm a biologist and we're big on classification. Uh, yep. And I don't want them to do that. And then that ends up being one of the things not fixed, right. Or it, that, that name or that classification or that categorization just carries forth to the new one and they fix it. And it's, it's got a brilliant little rules bit, but it's just named so horribly that it's, it like is not, it's not, as easy to understand as it would have been otherwise, or, yep. you know, I'm, I'm just real sensitive to that sort of thing because I, I teach. And when I teach, I teach people obscure names of things and weird processes. And I understand how hard it is to, to teach and learn those things. And some of the stuff in here just drives me crazy because it's really not, you know, it's, it's like, it, it's it, the perfect example is magic. Are you going to magic that? You know, right. like, I'm sorry, that's, you know, like you said, it's not a verb. So making it an action is weird. Yep. Right. It doesn't make it easy. And I understand they're solving a problem, right? That it's no longer, you're right. No, casting is not, you know, that's a PC thing still, but it doesn't necessarily apply to NPCs and all the creatures, right? So, okay, now yep. we have a problem. We have caught something else, but you, think of something else, you know, like, I don't know. It's so that kind of stuff I'm really nitpicky about. That doesn't mean I don't like the rules. It doesn't mean I don't like the packet. Sure. There's some stuff I don't like. Um, but you know, on the whole, it's decent. Like I'm not, I still feel like it's incomplete of course. So, you know, and how do you, how do you play test an incomplete thing? Well, but that's just part of the process, right? You just, this yep. is just how it works. So, you know, you, you test it the way it is and then you get certain important information and then you give that to them. And now you're going to test the next piece the way it is. So, you know. Yep. Ah. So anything else? Oof. Uh, uh, we have said so much about this that I, I think uh, <laughs> I think even I, with my 
bottomless well of opinions. I'm going <laughs> to leave this be. Yeah. Uh, I really hope that our listeners have enjoyed this and, and found it uh, to provide perspectives on things. Mm-hmm. Um, many of which they'll, of course, share because you know we're, we're not that ultra. But uh, <laughs> maybe there are some things they hadn't thought about or mm-hmm. or such. Um, and uh, hope you've you know enjoyed two people having a fun conversation on your uh, your ride to work or wherever. <laughs> yeah, or or whatever you're doing, working out or painting minis or Cleaning getting a project done. Yeah, doing the dishes. Yeah, whatever you're doing. I hope you're enjoying it. So, Brandis. Where can people find you on the internet? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Brandis Stoddard. I write for tribality.com. My personal blog is brandisstoddard.com. And my Patreon is Brandis Stoddard. How about you, Sam? You can find me on Twitter at DM Samuel, or you can go to my website, rpgmusings.com, or you can search YouTube for RPG Musings and find... Uh, for one thing, find these episodes here. If you're listening to them in podcast form, I actually uh, have been putting them up also in, in video form so that you can see the document as we go through it. Uh, and uh, and you can also find me on the Tome Show's Discord channel. So if you want to hop on there, tweet at me and I will tweet you an invite. Otherwise, thank you for listening, and we we do really hope that you enjoy the. Okay, so Brandis and I really like talking to each other about this stuff. That is true, because this is our main hobby, right? So, and and also part of Brandis's job, right? So, yeah. <laughs> it's his job to talk to me. <laughs> so, so not not really, but we enjoy it a great deal, right? It's as more of as, a vocation, yeah, really. It's, it's more of a vocation, yeah, yeah. We enjoy it a great deal, and we hope that our audience does as well. So that I just wanted to say that we're not doing this just to hear each other talk. We're doing it for everyone else's edification and benefit as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, let us hear from you. And, um, you know, we, there, if there are more things you want to hear us talk about, uh, I, I expect that much of our schedule for the rest of the year is going to be spoken for. Uh, as we have the uh, 12 days of edition wars to record mm. but uh you know we'd be happy to put it on, put it on our someday list yeah that list is growing <laughs> anyway have a good morning afternoon evening night folks <laughs>